Hey, I'm JC Peratz. I'm the founder of allstarcharts.com. And I am panicked about uh, nothing. Welcome, Nikita. Thank you. I couldn't help but uh, not notice the t-shirt you're wearing today. Yeah, it's a Rafa cycling shirt. Why? What do no, you think? No, it says like grinder. No. Are you a grinder sponsor now? It's grinduri. <laughs> it, it's some kind of race in Italy. Italiano. <laughs> where the winner gets to pick the cyclist he likes the most and grinduri with them. Okay, Arrivederci. Uh, what did we even do on this show? Is there a point today? Or are we just here filling time? Well, by the way, there was a panic. It was in such a fringe area of the market. And this is called Panic with Friends. And I got a great friend on today, All-Star Charts, J.C. Peretz. I pretty much know what he's going to say. He never panics. Um, we're not going to get too granular because we don't know when we'll run this. But it was a panic. I, you weren't, like, no one in the mainstream panicked. No. But... There were many people that were so diamondized or whatever, laser eyes on Bitcoin going to 100,000 that I think many young people, including my daughter, who felt kind of dumb because she sold some of her Bitcoin on the way to 60. I think she sold some at 30 and 40. And so it went to 60. So when it dropped back down to like 45, she texted me. She goes, I just bought some. And then she felt really dumb. So um, there was a panic. Yeah. And even JC was on the call. He had been sending me some charts. Uh, I think Cardano was one and a few other ones. They got really bullish on technically only because mm -hmm. they had taken out the 2017 highs, mm -hmm. which is what technical people do. It's like all time <laughs> highs. I was always concerned. But again, this is pure. And we'll get into this with JC. Pure technicals versus why there's a signal. Because to get to all time highs, it just went vertical. Right. And that just is, to me, not a great setup. Yeah. Uh, it turned out to be true. It broke out and then completely reversed. And most of these things went down 50, 60%. Yeah. Which is why I don't love, which is why I think if you're going to be technical, be technical versus fundamental because you had to change your mind pretty quickly. So I want to talk about all that with JC because it applies to all markets. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, have you panicked, Akina? No, I'm genuinely... No trading. Trading? Have you ever like had a moment where you were just like, oh my God. Yeah, I felt that. Uh, I mean, I felt that in the SPAC world. In, uh, early, oh, recently? Yeah, recently. But but I think it's more like the tiny... I, I subscribe to your tiny bubbles theory more than real panic. Like, I agree with you that I think we're in a bubble kind of zone, but they seem to be like these tiny, frothy bubbles. And uh, so it seems like we're aware of it, but I'm not necessarily panicking no but when you worked at the bank or we're in toronto or whatever was there like a moment where you were in the market and you were just like oh get me out no oh great well that'll happen you have that to look forward to it's happened to jc um have you ever panicked in it on a daily basis no really <laughs> but but remember for me like i mean i've been, i've been a student like i've been uh, like it's been a bull market for the last you know 11 years so we haven't really had to panic well march of last year Hence the show. But, and, and I think the SPAC 
unwinding because I don't know, it's a panic. It's just it's literally bad deals that good hedge funds have been shorting now with yep. impunity. And now we're starting to see, we're talking about Tribe and First mm-hmm. Mark and even our spec. Like they're now, they went from trading at stupid 10 or 30 yeah. for 50% premiums to three or four, five, 10% discounts. discounts. Yeah. And when you're betting on good people and can get them at a discount, mm-hmm. that makes no sense to me. No. The average discount right now is uh, um, average SPAC is trading at a 3% discount to NAV, yeah. which includes all these great guys, except for the Pershing Square. So, Well, I don't uh, trust anything. Uh, he has permanent capital. <laughs> I want to deal with people who don't have permanent capital, in, especially in, in the SPAC world, because mm-hmm. they, f- they have stuff to lose. Yeah. And they're going to grind. Mm-hmm. Pershing Capital, it's assumed he's going to raise his money, he's going to raise his pipe. I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. That's just a product that Pershing's doing. If Tribe or First Mark's doing it, they kind of have an urgency. So if they're trading at a discount, yeah. they take it kind of personally. Mm-hmm. And I think, granted, there's not maybe enough good deals to go around. I don't, I'd never believe that. But at the same time, it's possible. And at the same time, we go into a bear market. Yeah. And so buying something at a discount can be you know, not great. Yeah. But if you can bet on people below, proven people below premium, yeah. I want to put a basket together. So that's your job. Okay. Thanks for making my homework public. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, I do that with Knut. He's never finished an assignment <laughs> and still our producer. <laughs> so, oh, you're, you heard that. Oh, I finished a task, but it's so long ago that I, that I forgot about it. <laughs> Knut is his own man. He's 59. Wow. Wow. That's, you look good for 50. You know what? I give you a lot of shit. You look fucking good. You dropped 20 and you look like you're 56. I look like you. <laughs> I, on the other hand, sun is doing its damage. Here's a message to people. It'll catch up to you, the sun. Knut's skin is like baby white, milky. Uh, like I said, you're, you're a little loose around the hips. But uh, not that I'm not. I'm just saying I'm loose around the hips and love the sun at ASU. And now I'm starting to show. Uh-huh. You know, anyways, enough about me and my problems. You both look great. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. You're so young, it doesn't matter. It's it's not flirting. When you say I look so great, it's nothing to me. It's like you're so young and you're just being nice. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, you're just being nice. You just are nice to everybody. All right. Speaking of not being nice, let's get JC on the phone. Let's call JC. Let's do it. JC. What's up, fellas and everybody, ladies and gents? How's everybody doing? <laughs> you know what? JC is born to be a spokesperson. Just one of our best voices for our podcast, don't you think? He's a ben smooth Hunt is, guy. Ben Hunt knows everything about everything, but you have to kind of, it's hard to get him excited. He writes excitedly. Like right. when I read Ben, mm-hmm. and we just had him on the podcast, JC, I don't know if you know Ben, but when I read Ben, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's so many double entendres and like stories coming and like breaks. And it's just, he's aggravated. And then when you talk to him on on the podcast, he's just calm and lets me kind of drive. With JC, no matter what he writes, to the point, he's talking to the point. You see him in person, you may get hit in the face with an arm. Uh, <laughs> you may get shrapnel in your face from some pasta or some wine. I'm, I'm he's Cuban, animated. So I talk with my hands, you know? That's how Cubans are. Italians are like that too. We talk with our hands. What do you want from me? He's you animated, know? this kid. <laughs> So tell me today, 
2021. What, uh, let's just go, even though it's, this may run in a month, what do the markets look like today in June to you? What gets you excited and what has you nervous? Or what, what do you just don't like? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're finishing up May um, and we've been super bullish because there's been every reason in the world to be bullish. You have, uh, and I'm, I'm endorsing into, that you've been bullish. You've been bullish. Right, like ever since, you know, April, May, especially in June, we got a ton of breath thrust in June of 2020. So there was every reason to be bullish and those breath thrusts kept coming. And one thing that we know is historically, these massive breath thrusts come near the beginning of new uh, bull markets, not at the end of them. They're not evidence of exhaustion. So that's one thing. Um, Hang on, when you thing say I'd like breath and I hear breast, what is that <laughs> evidence of? That's evidence that you're perverted, right? Isn't right. that what? And, uh, I, and by the know. way, perversion is never exhausting. Never. But a breath thrust can be exhausting. All right, now see if you can get back on pace now that I've interrupted well, listen, you. Listen, listen, it's a <laughs> relentless amount of buying pressure to it the point crazy. where we haven't seen it in years. Yeah. The new high lists are just levels that we haven't seen, but momentum readings, all of these breath thrusts again, like I said. So what, did, what do we know for sure? That that wasn't the end of a bull market. We got a monster thrust. It was a year one of the cycle. And in many cases, we've been in bear markets in Europe for 20 years, uh, emerging markets for 14 years, U.S. financials Value 14 for 14 years. years, a ton of bear markets all over the world. So if last year was year one, we go back to prior year ones, 2009, very, very similar. Go back to 2003, off the lows after the tech bubble burst. Go back to 1983, go back to 1975. All of those year ones of cycles were preceded by year twos that were very, were uh, followed by year twos that were very messy, all messy hmm. environments. 2010 was chop, 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 it was a mess. 2004, after that initial thrust, chop, 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 it was a hot mess. 1983, after Sounds that Sounds like ripper, my third marriage, hot mess. <laughs> chop, 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 then a hot mess. Also my bris, chop, chop, chop. I'm like, wait a minute, I was like three days old, remember, can you, and I'm like, Three chops is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, Canoe was at Max's Briss. I and was. back then, JC, sorry, so you're going to have to stay. You're going to have to remember where you were, JC, because you're a pro and I'm just going to interrupt. And we don't get to talk that often. Remember my son's Briss? I do, and I remember exactly what you said right after. What did after. I say? What did I say? <laughs> Max, I've cut you once, I can cut you again. Yeah. And then the rabbi has not done a Briss since. He got so scared of me. And then I told you we hide the skin in the cream cheese. <laughs> just to keep you away from the cream cheese. And Canute never ate the whole day. And I'm like, why is Canute not in? I go, I have no idea. Oh, my God. I haven't had it since. We hide the foreskin in the cream cheese. Oh, God. Because Canute's Norwegian and has never seen a Jew before. And he was so scared to eat the cream cheese. So we keep got our keep foreskin. All right, where were we, JC? Chop, chop, we chop. We keep our foreskin. Speaking of chop, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry, when I hear chop, when you say chop around Jews... <laughs> we got flashback. Okay, so, so second this year This is message. not at all uncomfortable for me. So <laughs> the bottom line is, by all historical measures, year two should look exactly like so far this year is looking to the point where if the markets weren't messy, if this wasn't exactly what was taking place, that would be historically unusual. Hmm. That would be the outlier. Anything other than this would be strange. This is exactly what we should expect. 
a choppy mess. And here we are finishing May and the Russell 2000 has been messy, 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 chop, chop, chop. Growth stocks have been a mess. Uh, emerging markets making new four-month lows, right? So just a really gross market. And going back to year twos in history, they look like this. Hmm, but still pretty good <laughs> considering the gains, like the indexes are all up. The indexes at this point have held up relatively well. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is internally, the stocks in those indexes have gotten killed. You have half the stocks in some of these indexes down 25, 30% off the highs. Mm. So it's not really showing in these specific indexes. You've gotten pockets that have gotten destroyed, like the pod stocks and the SPACs, and you've gotten, you know, the growth stocks have gotten killed. All of that stuff has gotten crushed. And then now what we're seeing as we finish May and we head into June, what are we seeing? We're seeing credit spreads in the bond market getting uh, wider, uh, bonds stopped going down, gold stopped going down, Japanese yen stopped going down. These are all defensive assets. The leadership groups since March have been things like staples and utilities. Those are just not the things that we tend to see when stocks are in rip-roaring bull markets, but things that we tend to see in markets that are either sideways, choppy messes, or actually going lower. So the bet is not that stocks are going higher, but that they're going either sideways for longer or lower or a combination thereof into the summer. That's what that looks like to me. Hmm. And so tell me what uh, is going on because people, you know, we're not rushing to put this up. So when people tune into this, they're just going to, I think the key points here is this could just be chop, chop, chop for a while, but that doesn't mean we're in any kind of real problem yet. Because yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what to look for. So like, listen, if, if you're re listening back on this, what are we expecting? So if the stock market does start falling apart, the Russell 2000 ETF IWM starts breaking 216. If you see that happening and breaking down, you start to see financials. Again, we're at the end of May. Financials and industrials been have been consolidating their gains nicely. Yep. And if they resolve these lower, expect those to go down and then interest rates down with it. So if the U.S. 10-year yield is below uh, 140, U.S. 10-year yield below 140, it's got a long way down to go. And bonds are doing very well in that environment. Gold's probably doing really well in that environment. And then the opposite of that, if the market is going to go up, which I think is the lower probability outcome, what you're going to probably see is high beta stocks rotating back into those areas. You're going to see interest rates uh, go higher and money continuing to come out of bonds. You're going to see all of those things. But again, I think that's the lower probability outcome. When you're listening to this and you're looking back, I think pointing to the breath deterioration underneath the surface, and a lot of these indexes hitting our upside objectives, I think that's gonna prove that cash has continues to be a good idea, right? So heavy yeah. cash positions yeah. have been great since March. I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. That's really the thesis here. But at the same time, we're in a bull market. Again, it comes down to time horizon, right? 99% of arguments on Twitter would end if we just agreed that we were, we have different time horizons. Yeah. Right? Just think about that for a second. Yeah. Right? And, and that's really what it comes down to. Are we in a secular bull market for stocks? I most certainly think so. Particularly if US financials and European and Europe in general, the Euro stock 600, if they're above all those former highs, how can you not 
think that we're in the beginning of a new bull market. I certainly do. But that doesn't mean that for a prolonged period of time, six to 12 months, you can't be stuck in a hot mess. And all sorts of uh, traders that think that we're in a trending environment and we're not continue to get chopped up. That's how you get all those gains. So there's a time to make money and a time to keep your money. And I think over the last several months, it's been the time to keep your money. And that's probably going to remain the case. Yeah. I mean, other than GameStop, everything that looks stupid has hurt people. Right, eventually. Crypto yeah. looks stupid. It was vertical. Everybody piled in, including the technicians, including JC, because that's his job mm -hmm. as a technician, yeah. is to follow price. So everybody, the people that followed the rules will survive. Yeah. The rules, they truly have a set of rules and discipline because everybody was in crypto just before it tipped. Yeah. Um, the technicians had their levels and blew out. Mm -hmm. People that were fake technicians, and I consider myself a fake technician, have to trade out of those positions because the reversal happened so fast. Right. And, and now I'm out. Like last night, selling anything that I was buying on Sunday, you know, keeping a little bit of core positions. But like like JC said, it's time to raise cash. I can buy higher when I think things are stronger. Yeah. Um, Listen, you got to you got to have a plan. But yeah, I don't plan. think I don't think crypto is any different than these growth stocks or whatever it is that you trade. Sure, there's some higher volatility, but there's plenty of juice in some of these other areas too and you're always really good at this, is having a plan. You know what your plan's gonna be. Your plan just happens to be taking money off the table on the way up. You always say how you always get out too early, but you're not gonna be the last one at the party. You'll have your Irish exit and you'll have already gotten out. That's really what it's about, is about having a plan and just saying, okay, we're gonna own this as long as it's above that. But if it's not, all bets are off. Yeah. And at some point, it's not gonna be. It's gonna, I mean, it's just the way trading is. Like, you're gonna be below levels that you identified, and if you don't get out, you're an idiot. That's yeah. really all it is. I, I think it's what's happening. Plan and sticking to it. Yeah, I shared Rachel's account, her Robinhood account, which hit all-time highs today, and not because she's picked winners every minute with me. It's because she's traded like this weekend. We bought some crypto, even though she's not a trader. We on Sunday on the golf course, we were buying crypto in her Robinhood account because it felt like a good risk reward. And that's cushioned her losses in the Pelotons and in the Twilio's and the stuff that's in you know the eight to 80. And she still hit equity highs. I think the problem when people saw that and me share her account, because she's only 23, is then they start opening up and telling me the stocks they own. And I'm going, yeah, if you own shit, when they break, yeah. sometimes they just don't come back. Yeah, And... I think we're seeing this tiny bubble mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And if you're in the wrong things coming out of tiny bubbles, yeah. the world moves on without you. Yeah. And you have to be nimble if you're going to trade because, like, for example, with SPACs, some of these will just go straight to zero. Totally. They won't stop. Now, what we're talking about is now's the time for people, I wouldn't call it value, but I'd say those markets have corrected so fast and everything's been thrown out and everybody, the hedge funds are just shorted as a basket. Mm -hmm. Now you can pick through it and go, oh, wait a minute, there's a point here where it doesn't make sense to short these things because they're worth $10 or $9.90 in a year and a half and it's trading at $9.80. Um, you got a free look at some of these. Yeah, That's not the same with the stock market. It's much harder to value stuff that's got all this moving parts and balance sheets and stuff. So, JC, do you remember the first time technical stuff made sense to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was more of a nothing else seemed to make sense from a risk management standpoint, 
right? There was nothing there. When it finally hit me that the only thing that actually matters is risk management and looking for opportunities where the risk is well-defined and then the potential reward is exponentially greater than that potential risk. I mean, you're a VC investor. You're the epitome of that idea because you guys are going to cut a check for a million bucks or two million bucks or half a million, whatever it is you guys do. And you know that that's your risk. If that goes to zero, you're cool with that. Mm-hmm. But and I, I, you've told me before, maybe it's 40 times your money, 100 times, whatever it is that you think you can get. That is so exponentially greater than the money you're Correct. putting out that you know you're going to be wrong a bunch of times, but you're going to nail it a few times. And that's going to more than compensate for the ones that went to zero. And then there's going to be a big chunk left over for you. And we call those profits. It's no different. And the way that you manage risk is just a different way. But the idea, it's exactly the same. Yeah. But I, I want to chime in. Um, so how do you think about risk reward in this market that's trading sideways uh, as, a, as a technical person? So in, in, in pure stocks, the risk versus reward here, mm-hmm. first thing you want to do, and it just goes back to Jeff DeGraff, who I know Howard is a big fan of also. And what, something Jeff always says is, and he taught me this a long time ago, you first want to identify what type of market environment we're in and then choose which tools and strategies are best served for that environment. And it's no different than like, um, you know, like if it's time to brush your teeth, you're not going to get a hammer, right? You have a different tool to brush your teeth. You have a toothbrush. And if your wife wants you to hang the mirror on the wall, you're not going to go get your toothpaste. You've got other tools for that. And in the market, it's the same thing. So if the stock market is in a sideways mess, first of all, your trend following tools are going to be terrible, right? But your mean reverting tools are going to be really helpful in the same way that in a trending environment, some of your mean reverting tools, like selling over bot conditions is a terrible idea in an uptrend, yeah. right? But it's a good idea in a, in a sideways trend when you are going to get that mean reversion. So that's one thing. Second of all, from a risk reward standpoint, again, avoid the trend following strategies and look for perhaps option strategies that sell that volatility. So while all the traders are getting chopped up, they're just paying you a tax every time. Try. So I never learned that strategy for this yeah, environment, I, right? I, I think that's the best information. You know, use options. If you're not going to sell the premium and trade against chop, uh, it's crazy. You got to work with the market. And I never learned options, so I'm terrible chop market, which is why some people won't trade options and they're better off just being in in cash or other people are are experts at selling premium. And this is, this is like their dream. They're they're killing it. I know. I I know my friends are doing it and I know that I'm doing the right thing too, because I know they should be killing it. And I'm sharing very few ideas. Mm -hmm. The goal right now, Nikita is like what I do with Rachel's account, who doesn't have 10 accounts. Mm -hmm. And we go through this is her account is her account and we play the game. It's like, you, if you go look at the chart that I shared of her account, it's been sideways for six months or since January. And with, you know, a drawdown, I think from 70 to 54K, which is, you know, she doesn't care, but that's like a pretty good drawdown yeah. in, the, in the side. But that was all because we had huge gains mm-hmm. and we've managed to just, you know, sell rallies, eke ourselves back and then hit the one, you know, crash in, in crypto to just bring her back to all time highs. Right. And so, and then during that time, now all the stuff that she hasn't got stopped out of and the growth stuff mm-hmm. can maybe break out. We, I, I'm like JC, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It just doesn't feel enough 
momentum in this market to like it still needs time it feels like because of valuations and stuff yeah but you know if interest rates really start plummeting again growth could become back in favor and we already know a lot of the fluff is taken out of crypto mm -hmm. and we know a lot of the fluff is taken out of SPACs mm -hmm. so the market's kind of doing its thing yeah so here's, here's the thing Howard if interest mm -hmm. rates really do I had this conversation earlier today with one of our clients if interest rates really do start falling apart Growth might be outperforming on a relative basis, but stocks in general are probably getting crushed. And why Why do you think? Because generally, shouldn't that be a relief that we're not going to get inflation or no? Well, you don't care about the fundamentals, it, it but be, why, why do you think The interest rate market will be, the interest rates will tell you that all the inflation talk is a bunch of nonsense, right? Because by the time that it's on Mil local Milwaukee newspapers and on the Barron's cover and my wife's uh, cousin's husband was asking me about inflation the other day. We've never spoken about the stock market once. <laughs> Everybody seems to think inflation's here. Yeah. I changed my Twitter handle to inflation to appease the masses. And so, yeah, I agree. I'm trying to call the top in inflation. But I don't think it's, we had Ben on, we had Charlie on, and we don't think it's just transitory this time. There is real Ooh, inflation. Ooh, look at you. Did I use it properly? fancy words, yeah. yeah. That is so, fancy for how, that is really fancy. So what's your go-to technical thing? What do you like? What's the setup that JC likes? I, listen, I, I analyze price. Everyone's like, hey, GC, what is the best technical indicator? You know how many times I had asked that question? Um, the answer is price. That's it. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. I know, and but what think, market oh, do you God, like the so best? Obnoxious. What type of market do you like I'm not being obnoxious. But what type of market do you like best? Up, up, obviously. No, not necessarily up. I like the markets that provide excellent risk-reward opportunities. That's really all it is. And that can be in crypto and stocks. You know, I don't care. I think I think the asset classes get put on a pedestal like, oh, I don't trade futures or I don't trade uh, cryptos or I only trade growth stocks like what. There's so many different things going on at all times. And you could take advantage of the long side and the short side. There's so many opportunities that to pigeonhole yourself into just one group of stocks or in one asset class, I think you're missing out on a lot. You miss out on a huge run in crypto. You miss out on the pot stocks when they did their thing on the long side and the short side. Listen, I think there's a time and a place for everything. In the stock market, I like heavy cash positions. I like shorts. I'll let the market prove otherwise. If the NASDAQ breaks out to all-time highs, if the Russell 2000 breaks out to all to all-time highs. I'm buying those breakouts, just to be clear. But where we sit today, I just don't think that those things are going to happen. And we want to be shorting these stocks. And I think bonds are going to get a sympathy bid. So if you if you reverse engineer that trade and interest rates are falling, while it might be the case that growth stocks are outperforming value, that can certainly happen. I believe that that will be happening to the downside and it will only be that growth stocks are going down less. Yeah. If interest no, rates are falling apart. So that's your plan. I get it. Doesn't matter yeah. if people listen back on this. It's still the right plan to have in this market. And I've been the same way. I've just been selling rallies and raising cash. And and what do you th and what about gold? We've been buying gold very aggressively and it's working it looks, well. And it's just not a Lindzen thing. It's not that it isn't. I, I just have never historically gotten it right, even though with the charts and whatever. And it just seems like always like... It's just not worth my time. So what I, what I'm seeing, JC, what I keep telling people is like, I've looked back at my own data, my own, uh, I was telling Nikita on the way over here is like, I don't even know why I'm wasting time looking at startups. Like the first question I should ask is what's the price? Because the prices are so out of whack of what I'm willing to pay that I shouldn't be wasting any time, which is, you know, indirectly why I've been golfing and working on SPAC 
and making phone calls and working out. And because the more time I just pound my head against the wall hearing bad prices, you're not going to get me to flinch, right? Because I'm not willing to wait long enough to make those kind of returns. And so for me, since April of last year, the stock market's provided the alpha and the outlet for my time and energy. And I'm just building lists and reading and thinking about what the next big VC move is. Obviously, we've seen that. Mm -hmm. The people that put money in crypto in 2018 and 2019 saw the fruits, right? The people that chased it over the last few months, including technical people who chased it on price because they had to, we've seen what happens when you chase right, and don't have a plan. So I'm trying to think through what's next, right? And um, it hasn't come to me because everything feels me too and prices are going up because everybody's copying a game plan like a Robin Hood, want to be the Robin Hood of this or want to be the Robin Hood of that. It just sounds so easy on paper. Yeah. And people got comfortable. Oh, you could do that in another, you could do that in Botswana. So let's do it. But how do you know how to price something that's so rare in the US in Botswana market prices? And so- the private markets are completely out of whack pricing wise. And so- There's a real inflation there that doesn't seem to, or maybe it is transitory because it has to come down. It will come down overnight. It won't happen. You just start, I don't know what the founders haven't gotten the message. And I, and I think it's a lot of bad VCs, right? VCs mm -hmm. have forgotten, much like that happened in, in, in trading, uh, maybe in May, June of last year in July with all the, you know, okay, let's get in. Yeah. What JC, what, what's happened, I think, is there's a lot of young VCs and they forget that they're supposed to be assholes. Like they're supposed to take your company. I know like VCs have a, a rap for taking your companies. Yeah. Well, they have a rap for a reason. They're taking fucking risk. And if you screw up, they own your company. It's not pleasant, Yeah. but that's how the business used to work. That's a bad rap. Goldman has a bad rap. Guess what? Stocks at all time highs. You have a bad rap. You do you you do what you do. And VCs have become too soft. Yeah. And a lot of young kids being hired. And I try and, you know, you hear me ask this all the time. It's like, why'd you come up with that price? Like you were the one that priced it. Like, well, this. And I'm like, no, you're a VC. You're supposed to make money for your LPs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can be friendly mm -hmm. with the founder, but you also have to have the right amount of risk reward. Like, like what JC's talking about, like you have to have that kind of match. And I feel that matches off. I don't know all the reasons why there's obviously from top down, there's just too much money out there. And we're seeing that's why we have tiny bubbles. Right. I think the bubble right now is at the seed stage. Yeah. It could go on for five more years because mm -hmm. there's so much money. Yeah. And so now it's testing my patience. Um, doesn't mean you can't write checks. There's certain areas of the market, but I'm not an expert in all these areas. FinTech right now is just so super crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, I can trade Goldman and JP Morgan and these stocks are at all time highs. Yeah. You know, and they're supposed to be the ones that are being disrupted by all the VC checks. So something's bonkers wrong, JC. And that's why I think there's inflation really all over the place, mm -hmm. but maybe not systematically everywhere at the same time. Right. So that's what yeah, I, you think, know. I think that's right. I think that's right. You, anecdotally, we can we can come up, we can sit here all day and we could point to things. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, look at that, look at that, look at that. And, and little bubbles being burst all over the place. Now, like you just said, systematically from a, a global macro standpoint, where it actually impacts serious asset prices. These are hundred trillion dollar asset Correct. You know, classes, you know, for those to be impacted and what we refer to inflation in that world, which in my opinion, like that's what actually counts not these little anecdotal evidence. Like when we see that, 
that's when we look at the bond market. That's when we look at the commodities market. We just had huge spikes in commodities. Yeah. A lot of upside objectives being hit in lumber and copper, rebar futures, anything that's building stuff just all went parabolic and now they've been coming off. And if they continue to come off, I expect interest rates to come off as well. Yeah. And now that everybody finally has, everybody has agreed that inflation is here. Correct. That's when bonds start going up. Right. See, I didn't even know this word until a week ago, transitory. I was just saying inflation, if you look close enough, you'll see inflation. It may not be in downfield jackets. It yeah. may not be in a cotton T-shirt, but it was in your hotel rooms. It was in fine dining. It was in the lineup at Prada, even though there's COVID. Like, yeah. there is inflation. Yeah. And, and Ben Hunt talked about it. those people with pricing power are learning right now that they have it uh, and pressing their bets. Those people without pricing power are selling you a narrative that they have scale Right. And they can use AWS. And that story seems to be getting a little old. Mm -hmm. it, because this inflation story, as much as everybody's globbed onto it, there's some truth to it. Yeah. And we'll find out soon if there really is well, real truth. Well, the bond market will tell us. Yes, right? we'll find there out soon. There might be truth for it. Good point. Yeah, we might, it might. you might be right, but the bond market right now is su suggesting otherwise. Yeah, this is why I think, yeah, I'm a VC, and I don't even know if I'm a VC, I'm a seed investor, but man, I'm so glad I learned the markets first. And I think, you know, I think one of the great things that comes out of this generation is Robin Hood and all these things and DraftKings because people are learning how to wager or learn how to invest and learn odds. And the faster you learn that, the, the better you understand risk reward, the better an investor you can be. And the only way to learn that in real time, not with VC where there's 10 year where you find out if you're successful, go do it over 10 days. Yeah. But pick the right amount of money in the right amount of trades and right. the right amount of risk per trade and play it out over and over and over. People just don't know how to do that. Now yeah. that, that that's the thing that I get excited about and not enough people, well, especially the media, they're making everybody out to be evil for trying this. But like, this is the moment where tens of millions of people have been onboarded to try trading mm -hmm. and they're being told that they're assholes or that they're stupid and they're not helping their case with YOLO and some of their behavior. Yeah. But who cares? You know, if they want to YOLO, yeah. you know. Dude, the most powerful institutions in the world that, you know, these media companies parade around, like if there's some kinds of saints or whatever, they're YOLOing the shit out of stuff all the time. Every single day, they're YOLOing hard. So the irresponsible behavior, I mean, we, we see hedge funds blow up all the time because they were like leveraged short $5 stocks and everything like that. Like this is irresponsible behavior at the highest level. Yeah. So there's no difference. Human nature, whether they're 20 year old kids on Robin Hood or 50 year old guys that have been in the business for decades and should know better. It's the same human irresponsible behavior. We see it again and again, and it's up to us as investors to extract that money from them, right? Those are people making donations. So it's our job to take it. I was telling your son, Ken, I was like, uh -huh. why don't you have a Robinhood and Coinbase account? He didn't have a good answer. He understood what all this stuff was. And I go, well, you're in data. You, you know, the easiest thing to practice data science and data management is by watching price. Good advice. Yeah, and I said, get your accounts open. I gave him an assignment. I'm like, dude, you only need like five bucks. I don't know what you need to open a Robinhood and he's old enough. But until you build a watch list and learn watch data, and price is the greatest data. I think, Jason, you've heard me say it. Price is small data and big data, right? It's a culmination. If you look at a price of Google, 
that's a piece of data. Is it big data or small data? I would say it's a, it's big data because it's a culmination of all these factors and digital this and people trading and it looks it's a piece of small data in that you use it as an input price to look at the whole market, but it's massive data to get you to see that price. Yeah. And there's all these kids that say they're into data or whatever, AI. I'm like, dude, you have this magical data game. Yeah. Because it is a game. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is build a list and watch it and yeah. learn how these things move and try and you're playing against everybody in the world. So I don't think people are still using we would have killed for this stuff. What I had to do, like with a Quotron and how much I had to pay to get real-time prices not that long ago, JC, like 1999, 20 minutes delayed quotes. And these kids have it all on their fingertips. Yeah. And they're not getting good advice. Someone's not teaching them to get this stuff open because the media is saying Robin Hood's evil. Now, yeah. granted, maybe Vlad and team are not doing a good job with the narrative right now. And they're in, on defense with the media, but like the great companies right now are on offense. And that's Coinbase, that's FTX, yeah, uh, even Robinhood, but yeah. they're still playing too much defense. Um, you know, whereas like Peloton, what, how many kids were killed on the Peloton? And that news story is over. Yeah, there's like and one. And we're still talking about yeah. payment for order flow. Yeah. So financial companies are continually on the defense, right? Yeah. And guess who's on the offense? Guns politicians, oil. Uh, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Because we've we've stopped the narrative at, oh, it's YOLO trading and therefore yeah. it's bad. And, you know, Robin <laughs> yeah. Hood is bad for doing this. But to your point, you know, if a kid, sure, maybe their introduction to this is through YOLO trading, but then if they get burnt once or twice, I am pretty sure there are going to be a lot more people or kids out of that who are going to be like, wait a second, let me take a deeper look at it. And I think that's when like that smaller data or that smaller price becomes bigger data because yeah. then he is interested and or he or she is interested in looking at it. So I think the narrative should be that how do you go from YOLO trading to basically looking at it and immersing ourselves given that all this data is available. Yeah, it's just a miracle that exists. You get there by blowing up. That's you get, you get there by there. blowing up. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you don't blow the fuck up. Hopefully you just blow a little casket. But you know what you can't, right? Like as, I mean, Knut's kid, like if he's putting in like $200, that's the max. Yeah, it's Knut's kid. It's 50 bucks. Because <laughs> Knut's kid. I already took $150. He'll come home and go, dad, Howie said to open an account. And Knut said, how much did Howie say? Howie said, put 10 grand in it. And Knut said, yes, here's $100. Because he divides everything make it into I say. 10 grand. <laughs> yeah, make it into 10 grand. And don't Boy. come back into the house until you do. And then Knut's son will go to YOLO.com and find that. JC, what? You're like me. The kid should blow up, right? Yeah. You can't put guardrails on this stuff. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. People are like, oh, investor. What do they, what do they say? Investor education. It's like, investor education. What the hell are you talking about? I don't you even know what that means. You can't teach away crazy. And we're all crazy. You can make people get their PhD before they're allowed to open a Robinhood account. All they're going to do is just blow up bigger. They're just going to yeah, blow up. Yeah, long-term capital fast. management. Come on. It was all PhDs. Education. They blew up Get the whole world. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You learn yeah. by doing. You can't teach you can't teach away crazy. You you gotta blow up, you gotta blow up again. You gotta figure out that risk management is rule number one. And then at that point, that's when the process, that's when the journey begins. That's and when the journey begins. And then it becomes finding people that you have the same kind of thought process as you that are a little further ahead in the Peloton, and then keep your mouth shut and be nice to those people. 
and you know, kind of speed up the whole process, right? You shouldn't have to do every stage of work. JC, you're doing all the work. When I get your monthly books, I'm like, I could read JC every day. And I always tell you, you're writing too much because I don't need it. But I know when you get excited, it's around your monthly numbers. So I'm just like, when JC is excited, I get excited, you know? <laughs> and so, I, no, part of my discipline is I get to read everybody. Right. And therefore, I end up reading nobody. And so until I truly embrace reading nobody and learn to read Signal through that and try and really figure out when the people that I like are really interested, mm -hmm. uh, then I'm just wasting my time too. Yeah. It's hard. I, I make this mistake every day, but it's something that the Zen that I'm going for is read as much as possible, but also not read as much as possible. It's some kind of like state where I like can kind of filter. It's my own inbox. I got to kind of get the, the uh, sentiment of my own inbox. Who do you read? I don't read anybody. Uh, I honestly, we have, I have so many charts to look at because we have such a huge team in Moscow, New Zealand, India, Venezuela, all over the United States. I mean, we have a huge team and I'm constantly ripping through charts. So I don't get to read anybody's on occasion. I'll see stuff on Twitter that I like. I like the Strategas guys. Hmm. I like the stuff that Jeff DeGraff is doing. I like Ari Wald. Uh, Ryan Dietrich does good work, like Jonathan Krinsky. Like there's a handful of guys that your know, Frank Capillary is another one. Yep. I get like their stuff um, and I'm I, I'm lucky if I get a chance to, to catch it. Um, but those are probably the ones that I, you know, I wish I could read more. Like even my friends, I used to I used to follow all these blogs and I used to read all this. I don't read any of them anymore, like which is unfortunate because I, I would love to. Well, you'd really love would. to, but these people should be writing for themselves and it shouldn't be writing the worry that JC reads them. Right. Which is when JC quotes me or something, I'm not expecting him to read me. And I wasn't hoping that he would retweet it or somebody would retweet it. A oh, lot yeah, of people, I get your stuff. Yeah. But your you stuff get is it, so but it doesn't mean you read it. And dirty. I do read your stuff. I get no, yours. I understand, but I'm saying it doesn't, you know, I know that I'm just doing it as my habit. I'm not doing it for the glory. But it's actually kind of pathetic, but like I have to make a confession that like uh -huh. when I wake up in the morning... Like, I think yours is like the first email that I open up and I read the morning one. So Just I do do that daily. Commute? What do you think? Bullshit? Do you have a bullshit alert? Um, are you going to do a thumbs up or thumbs down here? <laughs> <laughs> I know when people do call me and go, I haven't read your email in a while, but I did. They're lying. It's uh, the ones that say I haven't read it in a while. Yeah. No, they're lying. Those yeah. are the people that read it every day. The people like JC, I know that he's busy. Yeah. I'm not writing for JC. It's mm -hmm. nice if my friends... Like retweet it because I know when I'm writing it. Generally, when my friends retweet like or like one of my posts, it's not related to investing. Right, it's related to some story in my life, like my Phil Mickelson story when I used to golf behind him every day and what. Remember, we would watch him and he hit a fucking shot with like a little tailor made first tailor made version well, three wood. I'm like, what? The head was like the size of like a peanut, <laughs> but it was metal, and he would hit a fucking. Over a mound, remember on the 10th hole, he, the par five, he would just hit a shot like over the road yeah. to draw it and we would just be playing one way and he would just see things the other way. And I think JC and his business, the people he mentioned, like Ryan, they, they do their work. I think what JC is actually saying, which is what I'm saying, if JC's in doubt, there's six or seven people that he can go to or if he's not quite sure or he wants a little more clarity, there's that blankie of seven or eight people that he knows right. they can go reinforce because they're doing the work every day too. Exactly. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about 
writing and tweeting and people being consistent, they build that brand. We don't have to read Ryan or Ari Wald or or DeGraff every day because we know how to do our jobs. But it's when there's like inflection points and you're like distrusting your own work or price not making sense to you like I am with VC right now. Because Gary's writing checks on our side. Right. Like, I'm not trying to, like, tell social leverage team, don't write checks. Mm -hmm. But I don't want anybody to tell me to write checks because the data that I see is fucked up. Right. And it could be, fintech could be way more fucked up than healthcare. Gary's written five healthcare checks and they're doing great. Right. But I don't know healthcare. So my data doesn't make sense. But the data I see and what I do every day is, like, fucked. And what JC's saying, I think, JC, you're saying, and just correct me, is that, you know price, so and the people you follow know price, but it's nice to know you have that warm blanket of Krinsky and all these people to just check in on. Yeah, and it, what's interesting is that they all have different perspectives. Some of these guys are more long only. Some of them are, tend to be more mean reversion uh, because their clients are shorter term. Some are more quantitative. Um, some look at the world similar to me. Um, some are more focused on currency markets. Others are more bond experts. So like I have my guys, when I have questions about bonds, I know exactly who I'm calling. I got two or three guys. What do you, what are we seeing here? What, this doesn't make any, you know, right? Like you yeah. just said, you know, when it comes to currencies, I got my guys, right? Yo, you see this Naki Saki, you see this Euro yen, what, this, right? Like I yeah. always have those, those, and it's, it's pretty cool because like you said, they're doing the work too. Yeah. We have these Pelotons that can help us go faster and like use them. Meaning, build these relationships that we're all doing. So tell me a little bit about, before we go, all-star charts, might as well make the pitch, because uh, I use the product. So tell people, like, the vision and what's happening daily on allstarcharts.com. Yeah, I mean, it's really been fascinating. It started off as a blog over 10 years ago that you guys at StockTwits built for me. Thanks for that, by the way. And, um, <laughs> and you know, it turned into one of the most... <laughs> It was just it our was job. It was all Phil. I, I was there. I heard it. He wanted it. <laughs> Is it the chart um, report? He did chart report as well. It's great. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's what I get. Every, that's what I yeah, read every day. That's one little part of. So go ahead, JC. We interrupted you. No, all good. The chart report is uh, is is one of the the products that we launched a couple of years ago. It's awesome. It's a daily report. Um, they just talks about what all the best technicians in the world are talking about every day. It's fantastic. It's like a no brainer. Yeah. TheChartReport.com. Here's why so cool. charts it's work. Really cool because the chart report doesn't have a million subscribers. Right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. They're growing. Yeah. It's they're growing it tremendously. It's growing. It's growing off. We all know the numbers. I personally love that it's small. I like because yeah. if it was big, it would be no edge. No, I, I like the fact the is five technical charts. and price and patterns are taboo. Yeah. Everybody wants to be proven the smartest person in the room and buy Gap at five because no one else wanted it. So all-star charts and then chart, but go ahead with all-star charts quickly. Yeah, no. So we're investors in the chart report, investors in Coifin as well. I know you're involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got some other uh, investments in very similar sort of technical analysis related products that we do because we see opportunity in those areas. But really what I do on a day-to-day basis is analyze markets, stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, crypto. And we provide that analysis to investors all over the world. And that's through allstarcharts.com. And our clients are anyone from the biggest financial institutions in the world, the banks and the broker dealers making billion dollar decisions on a daily basis to individual investors and everyone in between. It's really our audience is anybody who needs to put money to work in the market on a regular basis. Investment advisors, traders, people managing their own accounts, hedge fund traders, pension funds, um, and it's really cool because I, since I get all these different perspectives, 
Number one, we have a very smart audience that is always bringing ideas to me. So it's like we have this massive audience that we've sort of crowdsourced great data from every country in the world. And it comes to us on a daily basis. So people are like, you know, JC, if you guys are so good, why are you selling your research? And it's like, well, you don't even understand how many connections I've made and how much information I get because of what you were just saying, Howard, you know, by by being consistent, by always sharing ideas, it comes back like a zillion times over. Yeah, the biggest fallacy in the world, biggest lie is, you know, just because you charge for your research doesn't mean you were a failure as an investor. It's actually the opposite. Some people are meant to teach and share. Well, everybody's meant to share. Some people are meant to share and build a business out of it. The creator economy, the financial market is, again, always hating on itself, always hating on its own. I have no idea why. It's just false signal. We should be embracing getting a coach and a mentor. We need more people charging because we need more people leading, right? And it's for some reason free, like everything should be free. No, yeah. you know, Andreessen can give his stuff away for free because he's charging two and a half and 20 to institutions. And so free is part of the game to get the institutions. Regular people should charge. Yeah. Like I keep saying this and now we go to the finance, like JC, everybody, we're all undercharging. You know, if you don't want to pay, go to Vanguard. Everybody else. Yeah, but Howard, it's bigger than that. You know why? Because before I had a subscription product, I didn't have millions of dollars to pay in annual payroll that I do, that we have now. And we have the army that's able to do all of the research that sure. we do on a day-to-day basis. All of that information I can't do by myself, but because we have a team of over 20 people now all over the world doing this, I'm getting better research. I'm getting better data myself. The fact that we're sharing with people, but we're essentially crowdsourcing. We're we're getting the money from people that are recipients of that research and then investing it and getting more data, building better tools that we're using internally for ourselves and spit it out to everybody else. And because we've been able to grow, we've been able to reinvest that into into people and products and tools. I mean, you see how much research we're doing. I mean, it's fantastic. There's always new ideas every single day. And without having a subscription product over the last five years, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. So I'd be yeah. I'd be a fool not to do what I'm doing. Yeah, that's why stock was so important. Phil and I at the beginning was like we made a lot of mistakes um, because we weren't profitable. So you make a lot of dumb mistakes. We, you know, if you if you start from an area of strength, you can do right things. But we had the right ideas, Phil and I. But because we we're an ad driven, you know, the world was free at the time. Freemium was the buzzword. Oh eight, oh nine, oh ten, maybe even today, but really big then as AWS and the internet took off. Uh, that's a hard business for everybody else. It's only good for a few people. The thing is the number one mistake people are making is because they hear free is we can get it all for free on the internet. You can, but the idea that you yourself starting out as an investor and could build your own Peloton, the biggest mistake people make with their money is not paying somebody to look over their shoulder or coach them or mentor or share ideas and encourage them and tap them on the shoulder and say, take the loss. Um, doesn't mean you're going to find that person first the right person first, just like a therapist. But you, if you're investing and not paying people, you're just a sucker. And uh, so don't let people tell you, uh, I'm, this is not aimed at you, JC, this is aimed at people who are thinking about paying for ideas and paying for coaching. Stop thinking about what the price and start thinking about 
what am I getting for it? And what do I want out of it? And what that person is willing to give me for that, right? Now you have these, I call it with uh, Ben Hunt raccoon platforms, mm-hmm. like masterclass, right? Like, yeah. Sorry. You can learn tennis from whoever they got on the pro. I'm sure they have, what's their name? Venus Williams. And they are, they're masters. <laughs> right. Doesn't mean they're great teachers. No. They're fucking masters because they play tennis every day to win money. Yeah. You know what I mean? They weren't paid. They didn't start out teaching for 40 years, right? So yeah. so I just don't buy into the raccoon platforms. People out there with money, ask around and find people like JC and Greg Hart. There's so many great people that do the same thing every day. Our pros yeah. pay. Yeah. All right. That was as good a plug as I could give for not just you, JC, but for the idea of, uh, you know, they call the whole business payment for order flow. I say it the other way. Pay for ideas, pay for mentoring, pay for coaching. Who cares who's seeing your orders? If you get a good process going, mm-hmm. five cents, 10 cents that you're giving away to the market makers or whatever for bringing you that liquidity. Yeah. Stop worrying about that. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for coming on, my man. Hey, can you please tell us though what wine you're drinking? Ooh, right now. <laughs> or no? I'm actually I'm heading to over to a Scottish bar. Uh, to be honest, I'm probably going to have some whiskey. Uh, that's going to be my move. Uh, but if I had to drink something right now, I'd drink some champagne right before dinner. Oh. Everybody, the world would be a better place if everybody had a glass of champagne every night before dinner. Yeah, I say that about milkshakes. <laughs> have a milkshake. All right, my man, have a great uh, month, and uh, hopefully I'll see you on the East Coast. All right, everybody. Thanks for having me. See you. Bye. There you go. Never a dull moment. No, he has such infectious energy. It's it's good. He's been doing it the same way for, for a long time. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's fun to have people like that out there that really I can talk to for free, <laughs> but happy to pay. Uh, because I don't know. I don't know how you can get good at this without really digging into it. Now, not everybody loves the markets, but he loves the markets. Yes. You know? Yeah. And part of Stocktwit's thing is we built this community of people who love the markets. Yeah. And that kind of stuff pays it forward. No, Knut? I agree. Knut's known him forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, so people got to talk about Pershing Square and whatever. I'm like, whatever. That guy's job is to just make money. Yes. You know, and send out misdirection <laughs> yeah. because he needs to beat you. Yeah. JC doesn't need to beat anybody. Yeah. He just needs to share good ideas and kind of goodwill. And that's why you pay JC, not Pershing. If you pay Pershing, do it with your $10 million mm-hmm. and say, here it is. Beat him up on fees and say, if you underperform, I'm pulling the money. That's how you pay Pershing Square. Right. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Use them. Yeah. Put the raccoons to work. Yes. Otherwise, find people like JC who are really trying to crowdsource good information. Yeah, I really like that word that he used, that it's really like crowdsourcing the ideas. Yeah, he's a just giant hose like I am. Yeah. And uh, all right, everybody, panic with friends. Um, Okay, so can we go for lactose-free soy milk, organic milkshake, please? No. That doesn't sound like anything (laughs) interesting. I'd rather have some dirt. Can I just pull some sand out? Let's have that. <laughs> I'd rather just have high carb sand. Yep. The uh, so that was Nikita's first really bad idea on Panic with Friends. But you're welcome to go do that. It's working for you. You look great. Your skin's good. Thank you. The um, did I come across as flirtatious or just honest? No, you know what? I'm going to give it right back to you. It's like you're nice to everybody. So, uh, so Nikita thinks I'm nice. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Kenneth's telling you stories and you're like, no, he seems so nice. 
I'm a little bit pissed off about this that people are starting to think I'm nice. Yeah, no. You don't want that reputation. Well, you have every chance to chime in and tell people what an asshole I was and continue to be oh, sometimes. Oh, they can judge for themselves, I think. So this is Panic with Friends with the new pleasant Howard Lindzen. And we're coming at you once a week. Used to be often, but uh, we don't have the time. And Knut and Nikita are here. We're talking about trends. We're talking about our friends, traders, investors, venture capitalists, entrepreneurs. Just trying to get a little bit ahead of the market. We do it for us. Just so happens a lot of people like listening. Tell your friends, search my name, go to uh, Spotify or Apple or Google or your favorite podcast app, subscribe, and you won't have to do a thing. And uh, thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.